Kevin Mondro here, Coach Dro, D-R-O. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach Podcast, the podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. Before today's conversation, I wanted to share something that I just read on Twitter from Tom Flick, at Tom Flick. Quote, management is what you know. Leadership takes you to where you want to go. End quote. Great advice, Tom. Recently, I was able to make a connection with a group of Michigan men that are working hard on a great cause, and I felt it was so important to pass on their great message. The Basketball Alumni Brotherhood, who once called the University of Michigan home, has joined the fight against ALS. Since 2019, they have been raising awareness and funds through their self-created nonprofit called Hoops Fight ALS. Inspired by former head coach Steve Fisher and his son Mark Fisher and Mark's continued battle with ALS, this basketball brotherhood puts on an annual golf outing in order to keep the brotherhood connected and raise awareness for research and support initiatives against this terrible disease. This organization is not affiliated with the university, the Michigan Athletic Department, nor the Michigan Basketball Program. This is coordinated and executed solely by several alumni members of Michigan Basketball. To help support this unique alumni group and their charitable efforts, feel free to check them out at www.hoopsfightals.com where you can donate towards their 2022 fundraising efforts. Click on my show notes below. Again, that's www.hoopsfightals.com. Today, we are talking to Coach Joe Pachota. Coach Joe is currently the head coach at Siena Heights University. And Coach Joe is entering his 11th season as the Siena Heights men's basketball coach. Siena Heights is a terrific NAIA university, and they play in an outstanding conference. And Siena Heights is where Coach Ben Braun got his start. Coach Joe has coached NAIA All-American Honorable Mentions, Keith Jordan Jr. and DeMarco Dickerson. He has also coached five All-WHAC selections. Coach Joe came to the Saints after seven seasons as the head coach for Brescia University, an NAIA Division II team in Owensboro, Kentucky. Under Coach Joe Pachota's leadership, Brescia appeared in two consecutive Kentucky Intercollegiate Athletic Conference Finals. And Coach Joe coached six Bearcats to NAIA All-American honors. Prior to coaching at Brescia, Coach Joe was at Indiana-Purdue-Fort Wayne, where he transitioned from assistant to associate head coach to interim head coach during his six seasons at IPFW. Coach Joe played for Concordia, just right down the road from me in Ann Arbor. As you soon will hear, Coach Joe has a blue-collar mindset. Nothing, and I mean nothing, is beneath him. He is truly the epitome, to me, of servant leadership. However, there is a message in this conversation about commitment that takes off in the middle of this podcast and soars to the end. Trust me, it is really good. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. Remember, we are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Please keep telling your coaching friends about this podcast. The bigger audience we can create, the bigger impact we can make with younger coaches. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram, at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter, at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. By the way, if you need summer gear ASAP, check out my show notes below and connect with Moneyball Sportswear today. Enter the promo code DRO, D-R-O, and gear up. And if you need a new book to read this summer, I highly recommend the book Deep, 
the life of Rob Murphy, Alive with Purpose. See my show notes for how you can secure a copy of this amazing book by Coach Murph. Enough of Coach Joe. Let's get to Coach Joe Pachota and tell his story. Joe, why do you coach? Joe, first, man, let me let me start off by saying I, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, I've had a tremendous amount of respect for you for a long time. And, you know, with you doing this, you've had some great coaches that are also great people on your podcast. I'm honored to be a part of it. That's the million-dollar question. I think basketball has really given me a lot personally and professionally, you know, so the chance to, to give back to a great game. To me, this is this is the greatest game. I mean, I love college football. You know, I love hockey. But to me, this is the greatest game in the world. So the chance to, to give back to something that's given me a lot is huge. And then to grow guys, to grow people. To grow, you know, you know, you've got you know young snot-nosed kids that come into your program that think they know everything, and then when you see them grow as as young adults, ready for the real world and attack that is it, it, it's awesome, man. You can't really put a price tag on that. Uh, and then you help them grow as, as players. You know, they have goals and ideals of what they want to do and what they want to become as players. I think the ability to do that and impact those lives like that, you know, it's it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I love that answer about growth. That's just such a great, a descriptive word. Right at the beginning, I asked you, why do you coach? And you talked about your love for hoops and, and love for this game, and it's your favorite game. Joe, when did you fall in love with basketball? Oh, man. I was maybe five years old, five or six years old. And my, I remember my my parents, and we lived in a small town, Quincy, Michigan, and we drove to Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne at the time was like, I mean, huge to me as a kid. I mean, it was like New York City, and they had a huge mall there. And I remember getting my first basketball at the Sears store there. And man, I wore that thing out. Mm. I wore it out to where it was hardly anything less of a basketball. And, you know, just starting from there, I mean, I remember my parents being, you know, huge positive role models and influences for me and my dad and my mom being my greatest rebounders as a kid, you know, being out in the driveway and, and those kind of things. And that's really when it started and just kept growing and growing. So you are currently the head coach at Siena Heights. You've just completed a decade there. You've been a head coach at Brescia University for seven seasons in Kentucky. You were at IPFW as an assistant associate head coach and interim head coach. But how do you think you've evolved as a head coach? You know what, Joe? I, I think, you know, I'm I am so much better now as a coach than I was in my first year. I think I'm a better connector. I think I'm a better communicator. As you get older, and when you say it's a decade, you know, man, geez, then, then it really hits you that you've been doing it a long time. The more I've been doing it, the more, at least I've done a better job of connecting with guys outside of you know, the field house or the arena or whatever it is. And I think we all do that as coaches. But, you know, I think every year that I've been in it, you know, just trying to connect with guys more, you know, as people and letting them see me even more as a husband, as a dad and all those kind of things. I think I've gotten a thousand times better at that and a teacher, you know, and I think that's the times that we're that we're coaching in now and kind of come up in is, you know, the technologies a thousand times better than it was, you know, when I, when I first started back in 95 at Alma College. You know, the ability to watch film and study film and work with guys more and drill for skill. You know, the, the one thing that we did with some of our leadership ladder this year 
at Siena is, you know, got them books on leadership and helping them grow and develop as, as young leaders. I think a lot of, you know, young adults now, you know, they're, they're kind of hesitant with that confrontation. And if you want to be an effective leader, no matter where you're at or what genre you work in, you know, you have to be able to understand some of that confrontation and how do you lead and helping them just develop that leadership style. You know, any, anybody can X and O. I mean, you can do that till the cows come home. But, you know, I think the ability to grow, you know, leaders and help young men grow as young adults, I think it's huge. And I just want to circle back real quick. You said confrontation and leadership. Explain that to me. I think, you know, young people now, you know, everybody's their boy. Oh, here's my boy. Here's my boy. And, you know, they talk about, oh, I, I've got love for this guy. But if, if you really love your teammates and if you really love, you know, those guys as people and as players, that you're not afraid to confront them when, you know, they're not doing well enough or they're, they're slacking in a certain area or they're dropping the ball in a certain area. You know, putting those guys, you know, on blast saying, hey, man, we need you. You got to step it up. You got to play better. I think, you know, some people shy away from that because they don't want that confrontation or they want to be liked instead of, and I'd rather be respected, you know, than liked. I think that like is going to come when you have that level of respect. So, you know, being able to confront that at the end of the day, that knowing that there is love there. Like if I, if I didn't say anything, then there's no love there. I love you because I care about you as a person, as a player, and I want to challenge you, and you're that important to us. I think, you know, some young people and young players nowadays kind of shy away from doing that and even accepting that from outside sources. Too. If you are a Division One men's basketball program and in need of an MTE for this upcoming season, I would highly suggest you connect with Jacob Rittenhauer and Darren Sorensen, ASAP. In my opinion, Jacob and Darren are as good as they get when putting together multiple team-exempt tournaments. Former D1 high-level coaches themselves, Jacob and Darren, understand the dynamics of college basketball scheduling. Please reach out to me, and I will connect you with Jacob and Darren in regards to the Jersey Mike's St. Pete Classic. St. Petersburg in December, high-level games to get your team ready for conference play. Also, never a bad thing to be in the Tampa Bay region in mid-December. In addition, the 2022 Jersey Mike's Jamaica Classic has a loaded field this upcoming season. I can't wait to watch the TV coverage this November. The 2023 and 2024 Jersey Mike's Jamaica Classics are also looking for high-level BCS programs who want big-time televised matchups. And oh yeah, the wonderful beaches of Montego Bay. Finally, if you are a women's Division I basketball program, Jacob and Darren are working hard on getting your program to Jamaica very soon. Let's just say, put 2023 on your calendars, women basketball programs. Contact me at tellmeyourstorycoach at gmail.com and I will connect you with Jacob and Darren immediately. Maybe you and my wife have been talking secretly. It sounds like my parenting uh, lack of skills where I uh, sometimes just want to be JJ's best friend versus being his dad and, and having those confrontations. That's great. That's not only for you know leadership within your team or running your team, but you know parenting too. That's high-level stuff there. Sienna Heights, they have this incredible coaching legacy. Coach Ben Braun and Coach Fred Smith, two incredible coaches at Sienna Heights. What is so special about Sienna Heights? And can you talk to me about the impact that Coach Braun and Coach Smith have made on the program? Oh, my gosh. Two really NAI icons, you know, really. You know, when I first got here and Fred hired me, I used to joke with people all the time that, 
you know, you, you know, great things have been done in your program when your boss's name is on the floor, mm. you know, that, that you're working out of your practicing on every single day. But not only great coaches, but just great guys. I have had the chance to connect with Coach Braun numerous times and, you know, a, a Siena man through and through and raves about everything that he learned and was able to get better at it at Siena. And then Coach Smith, what a great guy. You know, and, and I love Coach to death, and, and he wouldn't be he wouldn't be mad at me at all for sharing this. But I tell you, a guy who's a, an NAI college basketball Hall of Famer, I've never seen a human being watch more NBA basketball than Fred Smith. Wow! And 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 Fred is one of those guys that if you go if if I would go into his office and say, Hey, Coach, you got a minute? And I, it would could be just for something small. I needed to plan on forty five to fifty minutes in his office because we're going to be talking basketball for a while. Mm. But, you know, just, you know, the history and tradition, uh, you know, they're one of the cornerstones of, you know, of our league, of the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. And, yeah, even though times have changed as far as small college basketball and how things are funded and scholarshiping and all those kind of things, I think, you know, everything that they've done within the history of not just our basketball program, but our university as well has been, has been tremendous. You know, I remember when I was just getting in coaching in Santa Heights, Coach Smith brought his team to the University of Detroit to play a game. It was the end of the season. I think Sienna was like 24 and 1. And I remember the coaches had kind of told me a few weeks back to, you know, go over some film and, you know, kind of get us ready. And we were a spectacular team. We were NCAA tournament, beat St. John's. But we beat Sienna Heights in the last minute by four. And Coach Smith coached a whale of a game. And our guys played really well, too. It was just a great game. And man, I was just, man, Coach Smith, he could. Flat out coach. Absolutely. He's one of those, you know, when you hear people joke about it and they talk about it with guys back in the day, you know, like uh, Nick Saban, he could, you know, take his and beat you and then turn around and take yours and, you know, and beat you and, and those kind of things. It, that's coach. That's coach, man. He was flat out. He could flat out coach. There, there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, his style is, is very different. You know, I think that the personnel that coach could get back in the day is different than, than what we could get now. And, and I think a lot of things kind of go to that, but yeah, man, he could, he can flat out coach. And you can still see now, like when he comes through the field house, he'll, he'll watch and he'll sit in on a practice and, you know, you can see those juices get flowing a little <laughs> bit because once they're in you, you know, they, they don't leave. That's for sure. Yeah. I love that gravelly voice and <laughs> just a really good. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, when he's in the building, man, there's no doubt yeah, about it. Joe, <laughs> Joe, you played at Concordia for a very, very good college coach. Concordia is just up the street from me in Ann Arbor. Terrific program in your league, just like you guys. And, you know, you've been a, uh, in NAIA basketball now as a head coach for over 17 years. You know, you mentioned it just a couple seconds ago, but what makes NAIA basketball so special? You know what, Kev? I, I mean, I was fortunate to play, like you said, for, for Larry Stempler. Loved what the experiences I had at Concordia and playing for LD. And we're still tremendous friends now. And he's, you know, within my, my circle, if you will, of close mm -hmm. confidants. And, you know, the one thing that I was fortunate to understand is, I mean, I had the self-assurance of knowing the level that I could play. I, I wanted to play college basketball. I knew I wasn't going to, I knew I wasn't going to be a pro. I knew that. So I wanted to get the very, everything out of my abilities as a player as I could. And I had to find the right fit. I think that's, that's where it all really starts. Even now with, with young kids is, and you have to get in where you fit in and finding that level and that fit. And Concordia was that fit for me and, and playing for LD was that fit. 
now the only beef that I have with that is, you know, years later when we were getting together at Final Fours, he tells me that, man, I wish I would have just let, cut you loose and let you shoot it whenever you want it and want to. And, you know, I'm like, okay, now you tell me that after, you know, years of being out. But, you know, the, you know, NEI level is, is awesome, man. I mean, there are so many good players and so many good coaches at our level that, you know, nowadays, if, if you can play with the technology and how it's made the world so small, if you can play and have the chance to go overseas, they'll find you. Yeah. They'll, they'll find you. I mean, we've had, we were fortunate to have five guys since I've been here uh, play overseas. Wow. And, you know, I mean, I, I, they're really good players and really good skill set and, and found that fit. But that technology is huge. And, you know, if you can play, they'll, they'll find you. And again, I, I just think that that self-assurance of, hey, here's here's where I'm really good. Here's my strength. I want to get in where I fit in for the NAI level. Man, that was that was for me. You know, you touched on leadership just a few minutes ago, but where does your current coaching philosophy stand right now? You know what, Drew? I, 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 it hasn't varied too far from, you know, when I first started. Do we all have to make adaptations to, you know, life as we go and as we grow? I, absolutely to the circumstances and situations, no question. You know, I think, you know, I've always been cut from that Big Ten mold, having grown up in, in Michigan in the Midwest. You know, I'm a, I'm a Big Ten guy. You know, we're not we're not fancy. We don't try and be, you know, something that we're not. And, you know, I think we're a, a blue-collar type of program, and I'm a blue-collar kind of coach. And, you know, I've always been one of those guys that even when I was, you know, at IPFW, as the, you know, interim head coach, you know, man, there was, I was helping with laundry. I was doing, you know, I was doing this. I was packing buses just because it's just something that, you know, that I was used to doing and have no problem doing. And so, you know, my philosophy is, it's pretty simple, man. You know, play hard, play smart, and let's play together. You know, too many, you see it too much now, you know, even at the NBA level where guys want to be the man and they sacrifice you know, winning for money or whatever it may be. And then guys get to the end of their career and all they want to do is win. They take less, mm-hmm. you know, they want to win. And it's okay to, you know, go someplace and, and have a role and play a key role, you know, whatever that the size of that role may be. What does this mean? Commitment is greater than convenient. Oh, man, that's so big right now. And that's something that I even talked about with my, my nine-year-old daughter who, you know, she, I think sometimes she grows tired of the locker room lectures, but she's used to, it. you know, with the way we are right now as society and, and growing young people and young adults, that you have to embrace some of the negative with the commitment. And it's never going to be convenient for you. It's never going to be on your terms and it's never going to be on your time. And the commitment is, and you have to, you have to do those hard, challenging things and things that, you know, that might not be convenient at the time, but they're going to help get you to where you want to go. Maybe not when you want to be there on your terms and your time. But if you embrace that work, if you, everybody talks about, oh, I'm on the grind, I'm on the grind. No, man, it really is a grind sometimes where, you know, I may not feel like wanting to do something as a player or as a coach or administrator or whatever, but, you know, I got to roll my sleeves up and I got to knock it out and just get it done. That that's, what it is and there's there's too many times now and you, and you see it clear as day is you know kids want the maximum amount of return for the minimum amount of investment and commitment and mm. great things whether a business a career a relationship you know they just don't work like that so you have to be committed to those hard things and 
every single day and not when it's just convenient for you. Oh, I want to work out when it's convenient or it's easy for me. You know, and, and you know, because, you know, Joe, you've been there. It's like, you know, there's, there's nothing convenient about excellence. Maybe not winning all the time because not everybody can win all the time, but that standard of excellence, there's nothing convenient about it, man. It always has to be there. and There always has to be a commitment to that, big or small. Two commitment things that are big in your program. What is the crucible and what is the 1,000 pound club? The crucible, you know, the crucible is, you know, I think, you know, everybody knows, is, you know, it's what you can melt metal in, mm. you know, steel and metal. And we kind of do our conditioning in the fall a little different. We, I, I like to condition with the ball because, you know, as, as, even as a player, man, I hated it when we would just go out and run. Oh, yeah. You know, there's, there's nothing worse. So I like to condition with the ball. But what we do is for seven days, we will have conditioning for seven days. And it's probably some of the most individually challenging and team challenging type of work that we put our guys through all year. It's pretty rough. And we call it the crucible where every day we're doing something different. We're in the sand pits on one day. There's a, a hill at a local park here that we call Hamburger Hill that if you're not ready for it, it'll ground you up into hamburger. It'll, it'll, it'll eat you up pretty good. And, and we try and do different things every day. Some days we're in the field house. Some days we're some mornings. We're on the turf on the football field when, you know, the air is still wet and there's still dew on the turf and, you know, you turn the lights on, everybody's still sleeping in the dorms and you're out there working. So it's pretty rough, but it's something that'll, it'll test your metal. And then coming out of that, when you pour yourself out of that crucible, you take a new shape and a new form. You go in as one way and you come out another, not only individually, but as a, as a cumulative group. And, you know, the guys, and they hear horror stories about it and the guys, you know, pass on, you know, pass down the stories and, you know, each year it gets bigger and bigger in, in magnitude, but, um, but we have some fun with it. And then our thousand pound club, it was taboo back in the day when we were playing to lift weights. Everybody thought it was, right. you know, it would mess up your shot. Whereas now it's, I mean, it's a science. So mm-hmm. the one thing we've kind of done is our thousand pound club is, it, it's pretty basic is you take the three lifts your bench, your squat, and your deadlift. And, okay, if I get all those to a 1,000 pounds, if I'm lifting a 1,000 pounds, you know, you're in the club, and we only print out X amount of T-shirts for that, a very limited number of shirts. And the lift has to be a, it has to be a, a flawless lift, and it has to be clean mechanically and technically, and the guys are pretty good with it. And we, we had some guys this spring that came really, really close and they, they were determined this summer to, when we test out again at the end of the summer, to, to join that club. So it's, it's a pretty limited limited group, even back from my time down at Brescia. It's, it's pretty limited. I love that you have a JV roster. How do you navigate all those players knowing that the JV guys want to play on the varsity? That's a great question. You know, I've been pretty fortunate to know a lot of guys and connect with a lot of guys even at the higher level in, in the coaching profession and guys that have coached in the, in the G league. Mm-hmm. And w- when I got here, you know, Fred talked about that's the one thing that they have and will always have to have is, is a, is a JV team and getting, first of all, getting, you know, young men to understand the mindset of, you know, and, and we approach it like the G league, like, Hey, it's not that you're not good and we're going to put you on the reserve unit. It's Okay. You know, you just need some seasoning. You just need some minutes and some experience. And, and that's how we kind of, we, we use it. And I, and I feel kind of the G League aspect of it is, you know, would you rather, you know, 
and I'll use Golden State for example. Would you rather be up with Golden State and knowing that you're not going to play and you're not in the rotation and you're in the arena two hours early, two and a half hours early, getting drill for skill work in, and then okay, here comes Steph and Clay and those guys and they're doing their pre. So then I'm going to go back and shower and get dressed, and now I'm sitting behind the bench while those guys play. Or would you rather be in Santa Cruz, you know, every night getting 38, 40 minutes a night? of work, getting ready and getting ready for that call up. So when your opportunity comes, you're prepared for that opportunity. You're not, you're not disappointed in your position, but you plan your promotion mm. and those kind of things. And, and we've had, since I've been here, Kev, I've had three guys that started off on JV that ended up scoring over a thousand points in their career. And all they needed was a little bit of seasoning at the very beginning as freshmen and actually Brent Tucker, who I played against in high school and played against here at Siena, Tuck started off on JV and he's the program's all-time leading scorer. So again, you know, appreciating the position, but planning your promotion is kind of how we, you know, we get younger players to understand, you know, about that, about getting better. So this is probably more a practical question, but I think it might be helpful for coaches who listen to the podcast. How do you conduct a practice when track and other athletes are practicing all around you since your arena is a field house? <laughs> I tell you what, man, there's some, there's the, when I first got here, I was almost killed by a lacrosse ball. I heard it whiz by my head and, it, and then they ended up getting curtains in there and all those kind of things. But it is, it, it is wild. And if you've ever been, and I encourage coaches to go see man, anybody anybody's practice because you can always get something for somebody that you can use. But right. if you come to ours, you're going to be entertained because you may have track going on. You may have volleyball going on. It's a constant flux of distraction. And the way I kind of sell it and, and work on it with our guys is if we can focus and concentrate in that kind of chaotic situation that's surrounding us then, when we get into any building, playing anybody, anywhere, we're going to be really good at being able to concentrate and focus on, on the task at hand. Mm. And that's kind of just, you know, how we've done it. It's wild. There's, there's no question about it. But, you know, to put a positive spin on a challenging situation, that's just kind of how we approach it. What about practicing at 7 a.m. on Fridays all season long? Why do you do that? Yeah, I remember you and I talking about this. We had a stretch. This was might have been four or five years ago where, gosh, man, like our Friday practices were just, I mean, they were awful. I mean, we had no energy. We had no juice, no focus, nothing. And I'm like, all right, we, I got to do something. So we started going early Friday morning. And, you know, guys hate getting up early. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't mind it. I'm early riser anyway. But ever since then, I mean, I think in the maybe four or five years that we've been doing it, I think we've had maybe three bad practices where they were just bad guys come in there's nobody in the gym and the field house is completely empty we have it all to ourselves and when you think about it and you know I, I, they didn't think about it at the time but then after you tell them and talk to talk them through it they understand it is good practice or bad practice if you have a class in the morning say you got a nine o'clock class hey coach i i, I gotta go i got class <laughs> Whereas in the afternoon, if it's bad, you can keep going and grinding for three hours. But um, no, the, the energy is just better, you know, and you get to, you know, I tell them there's, there's no better way to start your day than, 
you know, with me and basketball and those kind of things. I don't know if they believe it sometimes, but it, but then it frees us up on Friday afternoons for a little extra drill for skill work, some position specific work or some extra film. But yeah, I mean, we just kind of end the week early. And like I said, I, I think we've had some really good practices on those Friday mornings. You can tell that you really love practice. You know, you've mentioned drill for skill now multiple times. I've seen you tweet about at practice live. How much do you still love making practice plans? Oh, Kev, it's the best. It's the best. I remember before I got practice planner live, which is phenomenal. And I'm not, this isn't a shameless plug. I, I mean, I use, I'm getting nothing from that, but I <laughs> use it all the time. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I want to check it out. I mean, out. I would literally, I would literally on a legal pad, I mean, I'm drawing it out with pencil and time frame. And if I didn't like it, wad it up, throw it away, mm. and then retype it. But, you know, man, there's there's three people that can't have a bad practice. That's your lead guard, your best player, and the head coach can't have a bad practice. And that all starts with planning that practice and, and sitting back and, you know, what are our needs at this time? And I think the one thing that Practice Planner Live does for me is, I mean, First of all, it's on the computer, and I can take it with me anywhere. And I'm not blowing out yellow legal pads all the time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it really allows me to be efficient with my time and lay out my setup. I can go back and look and see what areas I'm covering, how much time am I covering them. Am I giving, you know, half-court defense enough time? Am I giving our secondary offense? Am I giving this, you know, the amount, right amount of time? So I love laying out practice. I love laying out, you know, drill for skill work. That's the best because as coaches, that's where we can, you know, roll our sleeves up and really teach, you know, pra- practices. I want to win practice every day. I want to win those practices to set our guys up to win on the days that matter most. And that's for them. And that's game day. I tell them game days, they're not about me. Yeah. Game days are about them. Practices, I want to win practices to help them put them in position to win on game day. That's a really cool mindset. What's your process? Do you do it on Sundays and map out the week? Is it the night before? Do you do it right now and map out your whole fall? You know, I worked for Perry Watson when I was at Detroit. Practice planning to him was almost spiritual, and he loved creating the practice. And then he came from the Dean Smith philosophy that you never went one second over. And he his his the art of practice planning is something that. And Coach Watson was a spectacular coach, but it was just, it still just resonates with me. Like, what's your process in, in creating practice plans? The thing that I like to do, Kev, is like right after a practice, I'll sit down and kind of reevaluate. I won't take like a ton of time and, you know, and kind of overthink and, and over criticize some things, but I'll look at it and see what was effective. Where can we be a little bit more efficient in teaching? When it comes to the time frame of a practice, I'm not welded or I'm not married to that time because there's times we're going to go over. There's times I, I say a thousand times a practice, hey, one more time, <laughs> one more time. You know, I'll say that a ton. So there's times where I'm going to get off, you know, off of schedule and off of time a little bit. So you kind of rob Peter to pay Paul in a, in a certain drill, if you will. Mm. But I'll sit down that night. We, we film every practice. There's sometimes we might only film specific drills. And then we'll show guys some clips mm-hmm. the next day during individually or as, as a cumulative group. And then I'll sit down and I'll start looking at maybe that night or even the next morning, kind of break that, put a shell of some things, some core things that I want to do that we need to get better at. And I think that's where practice planner really helps me do a better job of a more efficient job of kind of laying out that practice so that now we can put our guys in a position in practice to be the most effective they can as players. 
you know, you're one of the few teams in your league that really pressures. You pressure the basketball, and you guys really try to get out and deny passes. Where did this identity come from? You know what? We, a couple of years ago, we, we had a group, and we came up and played you guys at Eastern, that was, that was really good at it. And you have to have the right personnel to do it, you know. But just getting guys to understand about competing and, and going hard and, and sitting down in a stance and, and working at it on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, that's, it's, there's absolutely nothing sexy about it, but can be very sustainable for you, you know, as a program, as a culture, when, you, when you're building. And, you know, man, just, just getting guys to compete and go hard. I think young people now equate playing well with scoring. You know, uh, if I, I played really well if I scored, you know, 14 points. Yeah, but if you took 16 shots to get 14 and defensively you missed all kinds of assignments, you know, you probably weren't as efficient as you need to be. Whereas our guys know, like, look, if I don't defend, I'm not playing. And no matter what, there's going to be nights where, you know, you can't throw it in the ocean offensively to save your life. But your defense and your toughness and your tenacity – and your togetherness can always travel, no matter what. They can travel with you. You can play it with at home, obviously. So and we just kind of ingrain that in guys just about sitting down and defending and going hard and being physical and being tough. And that, and Dro, that goes all the way back to when Coach Braun was there. Right. You know, that's kind of how, you know, Sienna's hung their hat. They're, they're going to sit down, going to defend, going to check your breath defensively and, you know, going to hit you. So, you know, we've kind of just, evolved the, the growth of that is as we've moved forward as a program what do you value from your assistant coaches oh gosh i would say three things really first you know loyalty you know loyalty to you know not not, not just me as the head coach but loyalty to each other you know as coaches as as a staff i think commitment to not only the culture that we're we're cultivating the culture that we're creating but commitment to your craft, uh, the craft of coaching, the craft of, of teaching, being committed to that and growing and learning. You know, I think the last thing is, man, be passionate about it. You know, be passionate. Um, I, I heard this a long time ago that, you know, back in the day, the Greeks didn't have, you know, funerals. All they asked was that, you know, a man's death was, did he live with passion? And be passionate about it. Whatever, whatever it is, be passionate about it. And, you know, those are the three things that, that I think are invaluable to with my assistants. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, another thing too is being humble. You know, I'm never going to ask my assistants to do something that I haven't done or I'm doing now. You know, like I said, before, when I was at Brescia, when I was down there, yeah. I had to drive the bus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I drove the bus. So even though, you know, coached at a high level and done it for a long time, you know, I'm not that kind of guy where, you know, I'm going to, you know, sit up here and have somebody go get me coffee. No, I, I know how to get my own coffee and brew my own coffee. I appreciate it. And, you know, but I've done laundry, all that kind of stuff. So some humble beginnings some humble means too. So you're a great husband, but you're a high level parent to two wonderful girls. Every time we've been out recruiting, we're next to each other. You're always giving me parenting tips. Uh, you're always, sh- <laughs> you're always sharing incredible stories about your girls. And, you know, I'm always fascinated to see their progress couple days ago when I called and, and I asked you to be a guest in the podcast, you gave me a great tip for my son. My wife would kill me for saying this, but if we, we could be in the middle of church. And if my son said, dad, I want to go to the, my, I want to go to the driving range right now, we would get up, 
during the middle of the sermon. And I would, I would leave and my wife would be like, what are you doing? But I, I know the passion that my son has and I'm a crazy dad right now where I just, uh, I just, I would do it with them all day. And, but you told me something good, you know, just get your son you, you, with your daughter, 12 great swings on the softball field. And then we're done. And I'm trying to do that with my son, JJ. I know my wife's like, what are you saying? But how has being a parent helped you become a better coach? Uh, okay. Well, okay, first, man, I appreciate those kind words. And we do, we, man, as much as we do, it's almost 50, 50 in our conversations. Sometimes it's, it's even more. We, we talk about, you know, being a dad and parenting as much as we talk, you know, basketball, but I do appreciate that. And, you know, I am, I'm fortunate. I have two daughters and I think even though my wife would disagree sometimes, if you're going to talk about your wife, I'll get Angelina involved in this. You know, I think having daughters is, you know, I'm a whole lot more patient with having daughters. You have to be. If you don't, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You know, I have a daughter who's 23 and I have a daughter that's nine. So I have a huge gap in between there. So there's, Obviously, you know, many differences with what they're going through in each of their lives right now. But I think, you know, the one thing that, you know, with Claire, who is my youngest in her softball, is it was her first time going through it last summer. This was her second season. And, you know, she enjoys it. She likes it. And I'm just trying to get her to understand that to not be dejected. And I want her to be determined to get a little bit better. I think that's where you see a lot of kids, young kids, you know, quitting things is when it gets hard or it gets you know, adverse situations, and it's not convenient for them, then all of a sudden they don't want to commit to doing it. Mm. And it, it doesn't have to be a lot. It can just be, you know, a little bit. And we talk about, you know, 13 good swings. And, you know, I use 13 just because it's an obscure number, and I'm a huge Dan Marino fan. Mm. So it's, it's 13, <laughs> and she knows it, and, and she has fun with it, and, and has gotten a lot better. And there's nothing better than being a dad, man. Yeah. There's nothing better than being a dad and seeing that. And I see, you know, your son and, you know, I, I told you, if you wanted me to come on, I need at least a couple lessons from JJ because he's got a great golf swing, man. Holy smokes. <laughs> it is unbelievable watching him swing, swing the golf club. But uh, it, it there, there's nothing better than being a dad and seeing your kids, you know, not only be successful, but have a little bit of struggle too. And, and so they can show you something to show you they can persevere through that, show you that they can get through it. And, and get better in those kind of situations and not get dejected, but, you know, stay determined that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do, whether it's, you know, math or reading or, you know, golf or softball, whatever their chosen endeavor may be, you know, I think as parents, we all love to see that because that's the precursor to them, you know, facing those tough challenges in life as they get older, that they, hey, they know, hey, man, I, I can get through this. I can, I can be better from this. I'll be all right. You tweeted this about your current recruiting class. Really excited how this recruiting class is taking shape. High character, skilled, experienced, unselfish, youth, tough culture guys. What is your current recruiting philosophy? Uh, I'll tell you what, Joe. I think Aaron Bernard, who is one of my assistants and he's our, our recruiting coordinator, does a great job of spearheading these efforts. And I think the thing that we really try and find is you know, kind of stole this from an old Urban Meyer book is, you know, we want to find OKGs, our kind of guys, our kind of guys, guys that love to get in the gym, guys that love to work, love to compete, guys that want to be told the truth about their game, want to have the holes in their game shown to them so they can grow and develop and get better. Guys as young adults who are just 
fun to be around outside of basketball. You know, you don't want to have any of those, you know, guys that come in and, you know, just suck the energy right out of the, right out of the room. And, and those are the guys we, ha- we have in, in this class. I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I love how they want to work and how they want to get better and how they have kind of grown with uh, each other and connected with each other. That's huge. That, that's so big in today's game is, you know, everybody checks their ego a little bit and isn't focused on being the man, but I want to be, I want to grow into a, a man and, and be a part of a group of men. And, and I think we've got a group coming in this year that can, that can do that. I think, you know, in our league, as good as our league is, you know, it takes a team to be really successful. And I think we've had some really, we have really good coaches in our league yeah. with really good players. And, you know, I, I look forward to this group you know, going on the journey with them and sharing with them and getting better and, and seeing where we can go. So I always end the podcast. What are some simple keys for young coaches? You know, I kind of touched on it earlier. Man, just work at your craft every day. Cultivate your craft. Cultivate your connections. Connect with coaches. Coaches at all levels. I talk about this all the time is, you know, we all have our circles, you know, and some of our circles, you know, there's different sizes and different ones, but the ones that are really close, you have those circles that are almost like your brothers that, you know, will tell you the things that you don't necessarily want to hear, but you need to know. Having those group of guys is huge. And as, as young coaches go, and as they grow, you know, finding those and connecting with those even more. I hate to sound like that old guy, but, and there's times where I still write handwritten notes to guys because it's easy to grab your phone and just somehow to text and connect that way. But yeah. You know, still taking the time with handwritten notes is huge. I mean, it shows that you're putting that time and the effort into it. You're really, you know, giving, you know, of yourself to them. I, a long time ago, I started a file called OPP, Other People's Property. And then a former player of mine at IPSW, who's a very successful realtor in Fort Wayne, I was playing with golf with him last summer, and he called it, and I stole this, I stole this from him. He called it Swipe, Steal with Integrity Practically Everything. So swipe. So now I scratched off my OPP file and I put swipe on there. Just the more you can take from others and it may work, whether it be a drill or a quote or a saying or whatever, a thought philosophy, and it might work with a team. It might not. You put it in that file and you might have the personnel to use it and, 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 and apply it to a team and starting that kind of stuff. But I, I think the biggest thing now for younger coaches just getting in is be willing to do a lot for very little. Be willing to do a lot of things for very little. You know, a lot of those guys, man, they want to jump, you know, on D1, D1, D1. And, you know, you and I have both been there. And, man, D, D runs, you've got to be different. You have to be different. It's a different lifestyle. Division One is a different world. It's not the end-all, be-all. You can still make the an old Frosty Westering book, make the big time where you're at. You can grow and cultivate those connections and grow as, as a coach. But you have to be willing to do a lot of things for very little. If you do that, you might not get the gains that you want at that particular time. Again, that convenient. But if you commit yourself to it down the road, it'll come back to you tenfold. And, you know, I I think I'm living proof of, of that and in, in how I've kind of walked in, in my career in the path that I've had. Well, Coach Joe, I appreciate your time today. I've known you now for just over 10 years, a few years back, we were playing a game against you guys at Eastern Michigan. And I randomly just found you in the weight room talking to our strength coach. And I was like, hey, coach. And you're like, hey, Dro. And I'm like, you know, Sean? And you're like, nope. 
just checking out the weight room, just saying hi. And then later our strength, <laughs> later our strength coach came up to me and he's like, Joe, that was the coolest thing ever. He just came in and just started asking me about like how we lift with the guys. And I just, whenever we run into each other, I always smile and I think about that moment and just kind of demonstrated in this entire podcast demonstrated, just like, you're so down to earth. You're so humble. You, you operate with such humility you know, you're old school in the sense that, you know, rolling up your sleeves and working and going through tough times, which probably more than anyone on the podcast, I probably needed to hear that right now. It's just spectacular. It's a great mindset. You know, I admire you greatly on many fronts. Uh, coaches can coach at any level. You've demonstrated that. I'm just wishing you and your program nothing but the best. And I'm, I'm truly thankful for you taking some time out today and helping young coaches. No, Joe, I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate those kind words. You know, I, I appreciate our friendship and the connection that we've had through through basketball and, you know, through seeing our, our kids, you know, grow up and sharing those stories and those connections, man. So I, I appreciate it very much. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Joe. That was a great conversation with Coach Joe Pachota. Here's some things that I love that Coach Joe said. And why does Coach Joe coach? To grow guys, to grow people. I just love when Coach Joe said the word grow. How about when Coach Joe fell in love with the game of basketball at five years old and his mom and dad being his greatest rebounders? Inspiring. How about how Coach Joe has evolved as a coach? He's a better connector. He's a better communicator. I thought it was super cool that Joe covered confrontation and leadership. If you really love your teammates, then you will not be afraid to confront them when they are not doing something right. Solid reminder in regards to leadership. Coach Ben Braun and Coach Fred Smith Two NAIA icons. And I truly appreciate Coach Joe providing some history on both of these tremendous coaches. I also thought Joe was so complimentary to the league and the coaches in his league. Get in where you fit in mindset. He knew the level that he wanted to play. How about Coach Joe's current philosophy right now? Big 10 mode. We are not fancy. Blue collar program. Blue collar coach. Play hard. Play smart. Play together. I absolutely loved how Coach Joe weaved this theme throughout the remainder of the podcast. Commitment is greater than convenience. You have to do hard, challenging things when you do not feel like doing them. And you have to be committed to those hard things. And there is nothing convenient about excellence. Great stuff. Coach Joe's definition of the crucible, go in one way, come out another. Never heard anything like this. So good. And Coach Joe's JV roster mentality, comparing this to the G League. You need some seasoning and experience. You can really tell that Coach Joe is truly about growing his kids when discussing this reserve team mindset and practicing in a field house. Concentrate on the task at hand. Put a positive spin on a challenging situation. On practice planning, I want to win practice every day and set up guys to win on game days. Game days are not about me. Love that. I want Coach Joe values for an assistance. Loyalty to each other as a staff. Commitment to the craft. Be passionate about it. Be humble. How about 13 good swings? Tribute to Dan Marino. I thought it was awesome parenting advice. But did you hear when Coach Joe said, do not get dejected, stay determined. On his recruiting philosophy, our kind of guys. And he wants kids who want to be told the truth about their games we all have circles find your circle great advice for young coaches and how about his file in his office opp other people's property swipe steal with integrity practically everything 
Mm, love that. Thank you, Coach Joe Pachota, for sharing your story. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. And again, if you're looking for a high-quality athletic gear this summer, check out Moneyball Sportswear. Click on my show notes below. Use the code DRO, D-R-O, and shop away. And I can't say this enough. If you're looking for a great book to read this summer, you have to grab a copy of Deep, The Life of Rob Murphy, Alive with Purpose. See my show notes, how you can get a copy of this incredible book by Coach Murph. Stay safe. I can't say this enough. Be you. Keep coaching. And see you on the next episode of the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast. Uh-oh.